Today's Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association podcast features Armando Sedano. His teams have been ranked nationally six times. He has over 600 victories. He's been to the state tournament twice, once with, once with the Brownsville Cubs and in 2016 with the Langham Creek Lobos. He's coached over 150 players that have either played or signed at the next level. He's coached for 38 years, 33 as a head coach, and his last 30 years have been at Langham Creek. He's the first president of the Houston Area Baseball Coaches Association. He's made a playoff 23 times. He spoke at the ABCA National Convention in 2014. He's currently one of our Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association officers. And in 2015, he won the Ray Knobloch Coaching Award. Hey, you're on. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Coach? Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, thank you for having me. Guess, guess I, I guess we get to the bottom of the pile, the bottom of the list now, huh? No, 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 no. It's nice <laughs> to have a legend on, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hey, uh, so we'll start it the way we've started with everybody else. Uh, Going to go over your baseball background. Uh, so, where did you play? Going all the way back to high school, and what what schools have you coached at? Well, uh, I, I'm from Lubbock. So uh, I played high school ball in Lubbock, and being in Lubbock, of course, you hear about Lubbock Monterey. But although I didn't play at Lubbock Monterey, they they were awfully good, and uh, we just happened to to be pretty better than them in those years back in the seventies. So I started off at Lubbock High School, played there in high school, uh, went on to play at uh, Ranger Junior College, uh, New Mexico Highlands University, and finished off at, at Lubbock Christian University. Okay, great. How how was it at Ranger? I, I hear a lot of different stories about out there. Well, Ranger Ranger um, was a lot of players. Like uh, I think I remember the first meeting we had. I think we had like 142 players in the, oh. in the auditorium, and uh, Jack Allen was. Uh, you know, he would he would get you to run and see how fast you were. And then he'd make a cut off that and then watch you throw it, make another cut off that it broke you up into teams that you play. So, um, I had a, I had a good experience there with, uh, with, uh, with that there. I stayed there for a year and went on to, to, uh, the Highland university afterwards. But, uh, um, you know, it just, uh, at, at those times, you know, when you play, it, it gives you an idea of where you think you're at, but it's when you start coaching, it's when you realize where you need to go. Right. Okay. And, and what schools have you coached at, Coach? Well, I started off uh, at, uh, at, uh, at Victoria Stroman. Um, I met, uh, I met uh, when I was playing ball at Lubbock Christian, uh, Hody Garcia was the head baseball coach at uh, – at uh, at Lubbock Estacada, uh, and but my previous high school coach, Coach Vince Buffamani, was my high school coach. Oh, wow. um, uh, Coach Buffamani was my high school coach, and Coach Rod Sosby, who Rod Sosby played at, uh, coach at UNLV, and Coach Buffamani was a was a guy from the Northeast, and I think he went down to the Valley coach too, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken. Both, both of those guys did. Uh, Hody and Buffamante both came down. Yep. Well, Buffamani was my, my high school coach. And uh, so um, when I was at Lubbock Christian, Hody took the job at Lubbock, at uh, Estacada after Buffamani. Um, and uh, Buffamani had taken Estacada, it was a first year program, two years straight or to the state tournament, or I'm sorry, 
he got them really good. They were freshmen and sophomores at Estacada, and then Odie got the job uh, afterwards and took them to the state tournament with Wayne Dotson. So I would help Odie at Estacada, and then Odie hired me to go with them to uh, Victoria Stroman as my, as my, as my first uh, high school job. Right. And, and at that time, was Odie running the same offense? I mean, when he came down here, I know he had different kids. I know he had some studs at Victoria. But was he running the fake bunt, fake bunt steal and all that other stuff? Or, or he Hody, just changed Hody, the team? That, that was called Hody Ball. And right. uh, and he did that. Uh, he, he liked doing that. Uh, that was his style. And and as coaches, you know, those are styles that, that define you and, and the way you want to run your program. And, you know, I learned a lot from uh, – I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Coach Buffamani. Coach Sosby, Coach Hayes, you know, Coach Allen, you know, I just – you learn a lot from all these guys. And, yeah, Hody was successful, and, and so was Coach Buffamani. Coach Buffamani, I think he was at Westlaco and was very successful there. Right, I think, yeah, I want to say he was at Westlaco and really successful, and his, his boy was here uh, also. And then I, I want to say he went to Texas City. Yes, he did. He yeah. went to Texas City. In fact – when he was at when he was at Lubbock High, when I was at Lubbock High, uh, we lost to Duncanville, who won the state championship. Um, and then he went to Estacado and got them in the playoffs. And then he went to, um, oh, I can't remember where. He went to another city that they were like, if if they would have won, they would have played in the state championship against uh, Hody and Victoria oh. uh, and Stroman. And both of those guys were from Lubbock Estacado. Ain't that crazy? Yeah. Now I, I, you know, I get to see a lot of the stuff that you do behind the scenes, uh, luckily for me the last four years or so, but, you know, kind of explain what your role is with the association. I know you do a lot of different things, but really what, what's your, what's your main job? Well, my main job the last few years is running the convention. Uh, and, uh, the convention is, is, is such a, 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 a big item for us because that is how, we actually get the convention going because the, the 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 fees that these these uh, vendors bring in and uh, just getting in contact, keeping a good solid relationship with them, uh, being sure they're happy, being sure that the products we bring to to our coaches is pertinent to to making us better, be it uh, software or, or or cloth or or any type of a uh, sporting equipment. We, we tried to get the best in the country to come down here to Texas so our coaches can be um, better than most coaches around the country. Right. And, and I know this answer already, but when do you start working on the convention? Uh, now. <laughs> you, you've always told me the day after. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, running that convention like relationships in coaching, you try to uh, – you try to be sure that they feel like they're important and they're not being used um, only during the season. And so you want to be sure that uh, those vendors feel a sense of uh, loyalty from us and that, and that we have their best interests at heart. And yes, I, I do keep in contact with them in the year and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm about to send probably now and see, be sure everybody's okay with COVID and everything. Um, but it, it's about relationship. And it is, it's a tough job because, you know, we have almost about 150 vendors that show up every year to Waco. And in um, Waco, you know, we've been in Waco since 1972. So we try to keep the city active, the, the community there, and, 
the coaches all around the state come in and, and it's a, like I said, the second largest show in the country. Um, and only next to the ABCA. So we have a lot to be proud of. And, and speaking of the ABCA, you're, you're one of the guys, you know, from Texas that has, that has actually spoken at that convention. What was that experience like? And, and kind of what was the process of, you know, being selected for that? Well, you know, I really don't know how I was selected. I didn't know I got an email and, and, uh, and they said, would I be interested And uh, you know, that my name had come up and, uh, of course, uh, I said I said yes, and then you always wonder if what you're going to say is it going to be pertinent to the crowd. And um, I, I think my topic back then was was uh, it was called "We uh, What's Expected," um, and 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 so I, I put the title "We," meaning what's expected from a coaching staff, uh, what was expected as a as a booster club, what's expected from your players, what's expected from the school district. And I kind of put that uh, all together and, uh, and and try to make a presentation of it, and and it was pretty. I, I say I got I got a lot of compliments from it. I don't know if they were saying that to make me feel good, but uh, I think it went pretty well. I'm sure it was good. All right, so give us a short snapshot on why you got into coaching. These have been a lot of different different. Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you the truth because I, I I couldn't go play pro ball. <laughs> you know, no, no, you know the the the, the real truth of that is, is that is that as a uh, back in the seventies, uh, and I, I know it's not even supposed to say this, is that is that uh, you know I, I really didn't want to go to school. I wanted to go and try to play ball, and make that my living, and and uh, right. it, it didn't work. I wasn't good enough. You know, all these guys keep telling me how good they were. Um, um, you know, they they could have, they would have, but you know, we didn't, and. Uh, so I, the love, the love I have of the game, and it took me out of where I was at. You know, the high school I, I, I went to did not have baseball. So I was the first one in my family to go on to college. And uh, I was able to, to make that happen because I was able to play baseball at another part of the city in Lubbock. And, uh, and so I always felt like I owed it. And, and it really – it became part of uh, what I really wanted to do. I wanted to be part of it. And, and I, I still enjoy coaching the game uh, probably more ever, more than ever now uh, because we're finally getting coaches now that, that really want to be good coaches. Back in the old days, I think you had a lot of football coaches that it was just their off-season sport. Now it's, uh, it's big all around the state of Texas, and, and that, that's really nice. Uh, that's that's a good answer. All right. So you got over 600 wins. You know, what do you attribute your success to? Man, you know, that that's really uh, – people ask me that attributed success is that – Coach, you know, if, if you go to work every day with, with a, with a get-after-it attitude and and, uh, and always trying to, to learn, you know, I, I spend a lot of time trying to learn – uh, still, I realize now that uh, the knowledge I have now is not very much knowledge, and I need a lot more knowledge to gain. So I'm always trying to to learn and 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 pick people's brains and 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 listen to people. And but then the bigger part of that is is uh, when you hear people talk, then you've got to go through your own brain and say, is that true or not? As a lot of people right. listen to people talk and and say. 
Well, yeah, that's true, you know, and, and um, I don't think it works that way. I think you have to go in there and filter it and, and try it. And I'm willing to try everything to see if it works, but, uh, but then throw a lot of stuff out. Right. Yeah. And I have to make it my own. I'm very visual. So I have to, whatever I get from the clinics and stuff like that, I got to completely change it to, to fit me. And so that I feel comfortable. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of what you're saying also. And I know from, from you, you know, every time we're there together, you tell me, Hey, go over to that vendor and go listen to what he's got to say. You know, he's got something that's really going to help your team and everything else. So that's another thing I really appreciate being around you. Well, you, you know, you know, I had, I, you know, working football for all those years, you know, I worked for Emory, uh, for Emory Ballard and Emory Ballard was the guy that was with Freddie Akers. And, uh, and uh, uh, when, when Texas won the uh, national championship in the sixties um, and he was A&M head football coach and the Mississippi state head football coach, but uh, Emory would never go to clinics and, uh, uh, and I remember this so vividly. He said, you know, uh, you go to clinics and uh, um, you see those guys in the front row right before football season are taking a bunch of notes. He says, those are the guys that you want on your schedule. He said, because they don't, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing yet. So uh, I, I've always taken that with a grain of salt there because uh, there's a lot of truth to that because if you're always changing, you're never true to who you need to be. Right. Yeah, we, we had a guy say that uh, a couple of podcasts ago, said almost the exact same thing. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, well, uh, let's get into the into the practices. So, you know, your your fall, your off season. you know, kind of what does it look like for you guys? In other words, you know, do you start typical with uh, more weights and and less scrimmaging? Or, you know, I've, I've heard all different types doing this. So, you know, Carter at Round Rock starts right off the bat scrimmaging to see who can play and who can't since they're coming off summer. So how, how do you guys do your offseason? Well, I'll tell you how, how we actually do it at Langham. And I, and I think this is, has a lot to do with – I think it answers a lot of the questions that, that probably could be answered is that uh, we we um, contract out, I guess you could say. Uh, all my kids go to a facility uh, and work out where um, – uh, I kind of know the, the facility director and, uh, you know, of course they have to pay their own because it has nothing to do with the school. And uh, they put them through a pretty rigorous uh, workout schedule after school. Um, they have uh, two, <clears throat> two um, different times they go. The older kids go at a certain time and the younger kids come in at another time for uh, uh, four days a week. And, um, and, and that's where they get their weightlifting and their speed and their, their conditioning and their, you know, fast twitch muscles working and their uh, plyometrics and bounding and everything that we can think of that we would like to do during our um, off season in, in our own gyms. Uh, this is what they specialize in. Uh, I'm not a specialist in, in, uh, the weightlifting part, but I, I let them do it because that's what they do. Uh, a girl named is Heidi. She uh, was a athletic trainer or, or, or coach at, at some major universities around the country. And uh, um, her and her husband who played pro ball do a great job of, of working our kids out. The only drawback that, that you have is that, and, and it, we try to use this as teaching responsibility 
is that everybody's now responsible to each other to be there. Um, right. You know, um, because it's on their own time, you know, even if we, is, if we were lifting weights in the morning, uh, I couldn't force them to be because, you know, I can't do that according to the UIL. And that's the same way there. These parents, they spent their money. So they're my biggest supporter there because they understand that they spend the money. They're going to kind of make their sons go to the workout. So for me, that's, that's where we start at uh, early in August. And it lasts from August all the way until – well, it starts at Labor Day and it goes all the way to the week before we start our season. They go four days a week, uh, Monday through Thursday. Um, and uh, that's how they get their weight training and their running and, you know, they're, they're timed and they're sick. Everything's, everything's um, uh, put out for me on, 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 a, on in my uh, app, and I know, you know, if they're getting bigger, faster, and stronger, so I get all that information from them. Um, nice. During, during now, during our off-season now, that makes me all, us able to concentrate – on, on baseball, and we try to do that Monday through Thursday also um, uh, because after a while, it's anything. I don't care what it is, football, baseball, basketball, tra- it doesn't matter, you know, except for you and fishing. It gets, it gets boring for you. Everything gets right. boring, you know. So um, Monday through Thursday, we try to – I tell the kids, and I tell you exactly what I tell them. I tell them, Guys, we've got to try to get a year or two better than somebody else because they're going to spend time in the weight room. They're going to spend time um, uh, doing things. Well, we're gonna, we can spend time getting better in our skills uh, Monday through Thursday. And then on Friday, we, we have a Friday fun day where I don't want to see a baseball. Well, we do, but uh, it's a different way. We, we just try to have fun. Right. Okay. Shoot. That's, that's nice. That's a good setup. And, and how many kids do you have in the off season and, and do you get a majority of them to go? Well, the thing is I have, uh, I got a, I got a great situation here. Um, um, our football coaches really worked with me over the years. Well, they're really the last three football coaches I've had here. And, uh, um, and that's hard to do to get, to get your football coach to, to understand what you're doing. And, uh, we have two baseball periods. Um, I have my varsity and JV in one period, uh, which is a fourth period, which includes our lunch hour. And then uh, seventh period, I have my uh, freshmen and sophomores. And uh, that allows me to break down the kids um, uh, with, their, with their group. And, and I have all my coaches with me. So, you know, we know what we're trying to accomplish every day um, – within that 45 minutes or 50 minutes that we have them. Right. Well, you got a great setup, but you have the 50 minute class. Yeah. That's, that's still tough though. We, we, we've talked about that on a couple of podcasts and I had a real tough time. Well, I've only had it once. We, we have the hour and a half. Yeah. So it makes a big difference. We, you know, it, yeah. Nice. You know, we have it every day for 50 minutes. And the thing is, if, if you can get, you know, the good thing about that for me is, is that I'm trying to do a little bit every day to make it a lot of bit by the end of the week. And, right. and, uh, and to me, I think that's what, what allows uh, muscle retention on the, on the player 
where they understand what's happening. And you can actually see the player grow. So, therefore, I, I let a lot of kids, uh, especially freshmen, come in or guys that have been cut come in and stay with me because all of a sudden they're growing. You know, you know that young kid that came in as a freshman looked like an ugly duckling with no hair on his legs. All of a sudden he's developing body mass, and all of a sudden he's developing that he's able to play, whereas before, you know, coaches would just get rid of him because he didn't have any – kind of structure within his body. Right. All right. So, so what are some of the things you guys do for culture building? In other words, you're, you know, that you see is real important or that you're intentional about with the kids uh, building, you know, your, your low, your Lobo uh, program. Well, once again, I, I told you that that's when I think it starts when they go to the facility during the week, because that's tough to do to, to um, expect that of them. And then it really kind of shows you the leadership that you might be trying to develop on the other players, because sometimes it's that kid that is there every day, but doesn't want to say anything that, um, you know, cause w- when you get mad, like for example, you know, you say yesterday I had um, uh, out of the 50 guys I had to go up there, 35 showed up at 15 then. And then I said, why did, did you call them? Did you reach out? So we kind of make them uh, start become responsible to each other because right. when, when they become, when it becomes more responsible to each other, it's, it's a lot easier than, than me being a jerk and running the whole program. And, uh, and, and I say, you know, that's where our season will end up is, is half, right. halfway because you guys cannot be responsible for each other. So we're really asking them to be responsible for each other. And it starts way back then. We also uh, uh, visit the adaptive behavior kids in our school, and it, it opens their eyes on how lucky they are to have what they have, two hands, two feet, you know, able to think. And, and sometimes you have to work on those, those heart bones, uh, that heart muscle, um, to make them understand being part of something is better than being part of nothing. everybody's looking for, you know, competitions in their practices and things like that. What do you, what do you guys do for competitions? Uh, well, that, that's a tough, they're competing every day. Uh, you know, right. you know, when we take ground balls, you know, we sit them down. If they can't catch it, go sit down, go, go over there and go to the catching. Area. You know, and, and I don't mean that bad. You know, what I mean is, is that when you're out there, we're competing. Now, if you're constantly missing it or constantly making the bad throw within you don't need to make that area a bad area where everybody's whooping and hollering, being excited. If you're constantly making a bad throw, everybody sees that. So we need to fix you making that bad throw. So we'll send them out. There might be a couple of them. Okay, go work on your catching and picking and catching and throw to a target. And uh, so I don't know if that's competition. I don't know if that's humiliation. I don't know if that's whatever it is. But they tend to get better when they come back. So I think that's the result of competition. Uh, especially when a right. young kid gets up there and he's out doing some of the older kids and you say, you come to the front of the line, all of a sudden that's an inner competition. And so they're always trying to, um, to make the dive and play and, and thing, but it's, it's part of being fun because let's be honest, you know, taking ground balls, is hard. It's tough. Yeah. It, it's wearing on the body, but, but when you make it where they're diving and, and coming up, you know, you know, ESPN plays, they really enjoy that. Um, right. 
I don't know if that yeah. answered your question. No, no, that's perfect, Coach. All right, so what are some of the things that you do for personal development with your players, things that you would do, you know, with your kids off the field? Um, personal development, that, that's a tough one. You know, Coach, I don't know if I can how yeah. to answer that one. I, uh, and, and, you know, if you ask me a di- that a different way, uh, things that you do with the players other than baseball. Um, right. Well, like I said, what we do, um, we go to the Y, uh, YMCA, and uh, they have their um, their Miracles kids, and uh, we we go there as a group, and uh, many of them are in, in wheelchairs, and we play baseball with them. Um, right. That is one of the things I think maybe that's maybe that's what you're asking. Um, yes. That that's that's what we do. We do it, you know, during the fall. Uh, during the spring, you know, I, I want to, and that's something that I need to get better at, of asking more of our players. The thing is, I, I get to the point that I get worried about asking too much of them when they have enough to, to be asked for from their own families. Because right. with practices being so long and I'm asking them to go to the facility, you know, and they got schoolwork and this, that, or the other, it's, you know, I just don't want to keep piling stuff on them and then they, they lose um, track. So, uh, you know, something maybe that's something I need to work on. Right now, and what about your coaches? Are you uh, are you intentionally trying to prepare them, you know, to be head coaches, your assistants? <laughs> well, you know, some of my coaches were former uh, former head coaches. Um, I tell them all because the way we set up our practices. Um, um, I'll probably give you an example. Say, Barton, Bar. Uh, Say you were my my uh, my pitching coach. I say, coach, you are the pitching coach from the freshman on up, and you're going to work them out, and you're going to tell me uh, who's going to start and who's not going to start, and why, and uh, what are you doing, and how are you doing it, and so we're on the same page, and I do the same thing with our catching coach, or our infield coach, or outfield coach, <clears throat> and then because I say, you know, the bottom line is when we go play, if they're not performing. I'm not going to go to the kid and get on to him. I'm going to come to you and say, Coach, why isn't he getting it done right? I said, because you have, you have two choices. You can either fix the kid or you got to fire the kid. So uh, I need you to be sure that you're taking that responsibility. So in that, all the coaches are like head coaches, tell me, from the freshman coach on up. And we work the, because we have those two baseball periods and all my coaches are in, they, they have that kind of relationships with them. So they're able to see all aspects of the game by doing that. Right. Okay. Perfect. So, you know, here's the big one. What, what rules or standards do you have for your program? Well, the, the, the biggest rule and the biggest standard, I guess, is don't embarrass the program. Uh, don't embarrass our community. Uh, you know, don't embarrass our school. Um, you know, a lot of rules calls for a lot of commotion for me. You know, if I have to have a rule, that means I have to have a consequence for a rule. You know, if you know it's wrong, don't do it. You know, if, uh, I can't tell the kid to, uh, we have, we have haircuts, a haircut policy only because probably cause I'm going bald. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, we have, we have a, 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 no shave, no earrings, you know, and, and that's probably because, and I, I tell you exactly why I, I tell the kids is because I think baseball coaches around the country, college coaches are still old fashioned. And I say the biggest reason I'm going to tell you to have a haircut and not have earrings because if you look at many of the college programs, 
their kids have haircuts and don't have earrings. Um, and so therefore we need to be sure that everybody's seeing that, that we're, we're doing those types of rules. Maybe if they all were long haired and had earrings and that was the culture of, of our sport, maybe I would do it, but our culture of our sport is still very structured in the manner that most guys have haircuts and, and, uh, and no earrings and not a bunch of tattoos. And then plus I, I hate saying it, even though I live in Houston, I've been a Yankee fan all my life, and they've always had haircuts and no earrings. Right. That's, that's a good way to look at it, that you're preparing them for maybe the next program that they're going to be in. All right. So can you walk us through a, a typical practice plan? So what it looks like and how much time do you spend on different segments? I know you have tons of them, but maybe just a, a typical one that you're going to do maybe on the Wednesday or something like that, one that you kind of set with. Well, what, what, what we end up doing is, is, like I said, we have that hour um, or that 50 minutes um, during the class day. And um, during that time, that's when I want my coaches to spend their individual time with their players. That's during the time that I need my pitchers to get all their pitching work done because I need to utilize that coach after school. So during that time, you know, with the mound situation, the catchers, they're either throwing bullpens or doing their pin work or doing their target toss or doing whatever they need to do with the pitchers. That's what they're doing. At that time, that's, that, that's during that time, I'm working with probably some of the middle infielders and the infielder, one of the other coaches working with the outfielders. And then we'll split the other time uh, going to the cages. Um, and so, you know, and, I'm fortunate. I have seven batting cages and every one of them has a different type of pitch machine that they're going to see. So um, I want them to get um, different types of cuts instead of just one type of cut on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I I don't want them to just see a fastball. I want them to see balls that are moving. So I try to get those done as much as I can um, during that hour or first 50 minutes. And then um, after that, then coming back after school, then we put them all together. And the first thing we do uh, every day is, is base running. Uh, that, that just, we just, we just believe that. Uh, and I, I'm a big believer because we try to steal a hundred bases a year. Um, I believe that if we base run every day for at least five to 10 minutes, um, I don't think the pitchers or the catchers spend every day working picks or working slide steps or working uh, the catchers are working throwing down every day. So I feel like no matter who we play, we feel like we can get an advantage because we're doing something every day for a little bit. And, and, you know, like I even tell my big kids, uh, I said, you know what, they don't expect you to run. So you're the best ones to run and they get lazy pitchers get lazy. say, Oh, that's a big boy. And he's not running with, all of a sudden, we have a stolen base, and everybody's whooping and hollering about that. Um, right after that, uh, then we go, you know, then we go into the, you know, loosening up and throwing. Everybody throws with partners. And and then uh, at that time, I break them up into do a, a either Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, segment or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And what we do is we have a segment that at beginning, it's five minutes per segment. And and their tongues are hanging out by the end of that after, you know, about, I think there's eight, 10 segments on each one. That's 50 minutes. Um, 
or we break it down to three minute segments so we can decide on how long we want to do it. And then, and then we hit a little bit more and then we scrimmage, we scrimmage every day. And, and that's, I'm a big believer in scrimmaging because um, y'all, everybody knows as well as I do that you, you get mad that, that you say, man, that guy catches everything, ground balls when their coach is hitting the balls, but he looks great. Then come game time, he, he rushes and hurries and throws it away or, right. um, or he looks great in batting practice and comes, you know, come game time, he's always popping up or rolling over. So we have to try to scrimmage to try to get them to control the game with their emotion uh, and try to put as much pressure on them as a game as we can so they, they become more comfortable. Okay, perfect. All right. So, you know, you've been coaching long enough. Any ways that you found to be more efficient or something that you found to save time that, you know, might, might help a younger coach? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Don't, don't try to do too much. Uh, uh, I, I've, I've realized that um, the more I try to do, the less I get out of it. Um, and just try to do the game the way it's supposed to be played, which is you catch the ball, you throw the ball. And if you, if you have, if you have a, if you're the master of playing catch, you're going to win more games than you lose. Uh, most games are lost because you can't play good catch. Um, and, uh, and I believe that, and I, you'll hear me preaching that all the time. If you can't play catch, you can't win games. And, uh, and I believe that more than anything. All right. I'm sure you have several different types of BP, but, uh, which one do you use the most? Which one do you feel, you know, helps you be successful? Well, what, what we've tried to do is, is, um, I, I need to make it to where, it's not so much um, the same type of BP for them, um, meaning that I, I need it to be, instead of a block BP where they're only seeing fastballs, uh, I need them to, to be able to see both types of pitches. So we, we use two screen, you know, two cages, the two tunnels, one's a curveball, one's a fastball. But, but when we take these BPs, it's only about five cuts a piece for them. And so the first round is, is – if it's a fastball or the cage next to it, which is a curveball, we're saying take up everything to right, but it's only five cuts, and that's all you're getting. Get out. We're not letting them dictate to us, oh, I hit that one. Well, Coach, can I do a do-over? I said, we don't get do-overs in a game. So you get five right. cuts, see if you can take it to right. Then you get five cuts, take it to the middle, and five cuts, see if you can hook it. But being at the same spot so you can control your, your swing. But in doing it where they're seeing a different pitch from one cage to the other, you find out that, uh, at first, they really struggle with it because it's random, and they're not they're not uh, they're not mastering it. But after a while, they start to master it because they they see it with their eyes. And I tell you, I think that really helps them a lot um, uh, in their batting practice. I've, I've, I've told people this: I don't throw a lot of BP on the field, live arm. Uh, we do it when we scrimmage off our pitchers. Uh, and it, it hasn't affected us, so I, I think it's uh, it, it works for me. Right. Okay. All right. Now you you send me the defensive drill series. You send me two of them, and I made I made that available to everybody. You know, can you kind of take us through it? I don't know if you can because it's you know there's I think you had ten on one, ten different uh, segments on one, uh, but you know just kind of give us the the basics of it. Well, that you know if you look at it, you know they're really the way it's set up. If you, if you notice it. Defensive series one is more of a defensive series in the manner of you and the ball. 
that means, you know, ball to your right, ball to your left, you know, playing good catch, you know, the first one right off the bat on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And they're saying that I'm trying to find mine. That's on, that's on my computer. Um, but I'm going by my memory right now. But every, you know, we take, we start off the game like playing good catch. And, and that's what I, if people would look at that, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays is, is more doing good catch, playing good catch. The defensive drill series on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday is when you're doing something as a, as a, where you need somebody else, like pickoffs or um, pickoffs at first, pickoffs second, picks off at third, um, slow roll, stuff like that. So, uh, that that's why I I, uh, I kind of organized those things uh, over the years. Right, and and I think the the drill one uh, is possible throws. That was that was the one I had a question on. Well, possible throws. <clears throat> drill one is is possible throws, meaning that my cat and just like everybody else, just pregame warm up. You know, you catcher gets the ball, he throws a third, throws throws a set short, throws it the second, throws the first, throws it back to to the plate. Well, however many catchers you got there. If you have your whole team, your whole squad there, that's why I'm saying we did it in five minutes. You have balls flying everywhere. The second round might be a catcher is now throwing to second. Second is throwing to third. Third throwing to first. First is throwing to the plate. All right? Okay. It goes that round. The next one, the catcher is now throwing to first. First is throwing to second. It's all back catch. So we're trying to okay. do that real quick, and we're trying to be, be sure that that ball stays in flight. And you're not making bad throws because the way that drill is, is from my mind, is that if you can't play catch, I can't use you uh, very much. And so it forces them with peer pressure to always make good catches, good throws, and, and, you, and, and use your feet because bad throws are a result of bad feet. And uh, if you're not using your feet and throwing, you, you're going to have a hard time with that. Okay. All right. That was that was the one I had a question on. I, I, I couldn't see it. Like I said, you know, I, I've got to visualize. It, I've got to see it, and and that helps me out. All right. Uh, now, lightning round. So this is these are real short answers now. Okay. What's the last What's the last thing that you learned that you're really excited about? It could be something on Twitter. It could be something. I don't know. It could be a book. It could be anything, Coach. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I and I, I took the course again on base. You, um, oh, learning. Uh, me just learning that maybe I've been hurting kids more than helping kids because I try to cover up something they're doing, um, something they're doing because of a of a something that they don't have in their own body. In other words, if you have right. a tight back, you know the guy can't rotate well, or he has tight ankles. And then I'm I'm getting mad at him because I'm only looking at the result, and I'm saying, well, we need to cover it up, mask it up by doing this. I don't know that I'm actually helping the kid, or I'm probably hurting him more than anything. So me just learning these things, then realizing that that uh, there are physical bodies work a certain way, and uh, we got to screen these kids to to be sure that they're they're doing things right. Right. Did you did you try the online uh, certification? Well, I've done I've done the live. I've been to the actual class, and then right. I took the class again uh, last week, and then I was on a, a a web seminar two days ago again. But um, the, the baseball has come so far. Um, yeah. And and 
And the uh, old guys like me, it's tough on us because we're saying, well, these guys didn't have to do that, but realizing that um, having the knowing how the body works really helps me out a lot. Right. Okay. So what's one thing in practice that your players really love that if uh, you weren't there and they were in charge, what would they do? Scrimmage. Okay. Oh, they, <laughs> they love, you know, it's just like two things. One, during the fall, they love to play uh, football, baseball, where, meaning where they all got their gloves and, and uh, we have a quarterback, but he has a baseball. And uh, they're running for passes and you have somebody playing defense against them and these guys are throwing right. bullets. You know, they love playing football, baseball, and uh, um, and then they love to scrimmage. Those two things and uh, or play basketball. They love to play. And that's why I have to get them away from baseball a little bit. Yeah. All right. So what's something that you really believe in as a coach that other coaches might disagree with you with? And it could be strategy and games. It could be pretty much everything. These, these answers really have been probably the best answers on all the podcasts. <clears throat> well, what I think people might disagree with is that I don't throw a lot of, I don't throw BP. You know, uh, they, they might just say, how do you play the game? But we don't, we just don't do it very much. Uh, uh, other than that, um, they might not like my bunt coverage sometimes, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll go. That's another topic. Okay. All right. So uh, if we were to come to your practice, what would be the three things that would really stand out? Three things we'd really notice. Chaos. I think you, okay. I think you would see, the hell's he doing? You know, you know, these kids are doing, I, I, I think, I don't think it's, you know, I, I think it's chaotic sometimes. Uh, I think uh, sometimes I want it to be so regimented that, that, uh, that, but I think when I do that, I don't feel like everything gets done right. You know, uh, I think that, you know, I want them to be in a, in a world of, of you don't know which way the ball's coming. You got to learn to react. Um, I want them kids to, to not have a bunch of success during that time. I want them to struggle. I want them to work through it. So I think it's chaotic a lot of times. Um, that's what I think you would notice. But I think you would say there was a plan for everything, that he doesn't stay on one thing and harp on it all the time. Uh, okay. uh, like, I, like I said, I think I think two, two or three minutes a day at the end of the week, you've got 10, 15 minutes as opposed to that coach does it 10, 15 minutes one day and stays on it all day long and don't do it again for the next week, the kid don't retain it. Right. Okay. All right. How about favorite books or favorite resources? You already mentioned uh, on base you, but do you have a favorite book? Well, I'll tell you one that, that, uh, that I think is, is really good, that, that I think a lot of coaches, um, we, we always think about um, swings and, and this, that, or the other, but um, I think – the one thing that we don't work on very much is, is the brain. And so I think the, the one great book, I think a good book, very good book is called the seven secrets of world-class athletes um, by Steve Yellen and, uh, and buddy Bianca Lana. And it, and it talks about, you know, it, it really talks about what makes great athletes great. And it has nothing to do with the sport, but you know, and I, I'm sure you understand what I'll say this is that when you're pitching well, somebody says, well, what are you doing? You say, I don't know. It just feels right. Yeah. Or when I'm hitting well, you know, how'd you hit that? I don't know. I just hit it. 
And so you, and to me, that is, that is something where I really wish that my kid would get to or any kid where they don't know how they do it. They just get it done now. And that's that, that book talks a lot about that. Right. Okay. Well, coach, that's it. That was the last one. I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, I, I knew I'd have a good time with you on here. And let's uh, let's go ahead and give the people or whoever's listening a uh, chance to get a hold of you uh, through Twitter. What's your what's your Twitter uh, at Langham Creek Baseball at okay. L-A-N-G-C-R-K Baseball. And do you want them to get a hold of you through email if they want to yeah. look at those? Yeah, they, they, okay. they can. Uh, it's at uh, a Sedano at sbcglobal.net. Okay, perfect. And like I said, Coach, I, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I know how much hard work that you do, and and I, I definitely, you know, have learned a lot from you and everything else. Just just sitting there with you, and the way that you handle people and those vendors and everything else is really impressive. Well, I'll tell you what's what's more impressive to me is having coaches like you, and 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 uh, we all. I'm not. We're not doing this this pat on each other's back but but the reality of this is having having guys like you and having uh in the you know, a little younger than me not that you i don't know how much younger you're younger than me but knowing that we got guys like you coming up through the system i know that Texas high school baseball is going to be in great shape uh, many times we think that while we're there that we're the, the only things that make it happen but having guys like you in the association and the hard work you do and this podcast to me this is huge during this time and getting different viewpoints on different coaches. Uh, I, I've listened to every one of them. Every coach does a great job. Uh, I've discussed them with other coaches. Um, I, I can't tell you how uh, grateful I am for you doing this and for the Texas High School Baseball Coach Association. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. Thanks very much. All right, Coach. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye.